1: Outside your window may not be great right now, but here on Post Show Recaps, everything is madness ah, and strange as we are talking about Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness here on the Everything is Super podcast on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Wiggler from the 616 Universe. And I am joined here by Kevin Mahadeo from the 666 universe.
2: That sounds about right. It's It's the devil. Real Mahad up
1: in here. Yes. uh, (laughs) It's uh, Kevin Mahadeo and the Multiverse of Madness coming your way. My favorite (laughs) place. As we are talking through the Doctor Strange sequel, which has taken the world by storm. I don't know why I'm talking like this.
2: Uh, it's done really well. It's one of your versions. One of your selves has taken over. You dream walked into your your 1920s radio self just dream walked into your body just now. Uh, I used to run a summer camp activity called
1: Walking with Wiggler. This is dream walking. with Wiggler uh of course we are talking about Doctor Strange 2 uh a movie that has been in theaters for a few days now I am betting that if you are listening to this podcast there's a very strong chance that you have seen the movie already this is going to be a spoiler filled podcast at a certain point at the very least we will uh ease into that so give you some time to get out of here we'll give you some general vibe takes uh before we start getting into any of the specifics including oddly like character motivations are considered spoilers for a movie like this. So we will be very careful at the start of this uh, podcast before we get into it. But again, chances are good that you've seen it already a $200 million budget that has uh, gotten uh, $479.1 million at the box office so far uh, making it the third One highest weekend. grossing third highest grossing film of 2022 uh, thus far. I think it was something like 11th best uh, domestic opening weekend ever Some, Something like that I might be off on the number uh, So the movies are back If there was any question Nicole Kidman did it Nicole Kidman <laughs> saved everybody as, uh, as you had mentioned uh, On the Moon Knight Finale podcast So uh, Kevin uh, of course Is podcasting from A different corner of the multiverse Where every single podcast studio Has tremendous amounts of echo uh so uh if you are having if you're like am i hearing echoey stuff it's just kevin's multiverse that he is currently inhabiting uh that's where that's why you moved cross-country kevin
2: yeah to enter an echo chamber sounds yes. about right for me yes <laughs> this shall not be the way of it forever but it is
1: the inescapable way of it for now and you're all gonna have to deal with it uh but kevin we are here to talk about multiverse of madness the doctor strange Do we call this a Doctor Strange sequel? I guess the first thing to say, right, is that this is a movie that is a sequel to a few different things, uh, as the Marvel properties are doing these days. Uh, How do we count the ways? A sequel to Infinity War? A sequel to Endgame? a
2: sequel to uh WandaVision I I suppose which will be one of the things I'll talk about a
1: sequel to uh to WandaVision a sequel to Spider-Man No Way Home a sequel to Loki kind of connected to Loki at least ish uh and then ostensibly a sequel to Doctor Strange
2: yeah it's most the, the, the hilariously the the one that's probably the most tenuous connection is the original doctor strange yes here we are yes
1: uh one of the things that your colleague and mine, the great mike bloom your boy mike bloom i should say kevin uh has uh he he and i were talking before i saw the movie he's like, he said, you're going to have a lot of fun, I think. I like, okay, cool. Uh, and I will say that I mostly really had a really fun time with the movie. There are nits to pick for sure that I feel like I've got. By and large, I had a good time. I don't know where I stand with it in terms of like Marvel movie ranking Pantheon type stuff. It has left me with some broader takes about where we are in in the marvelousness of cinema. The marvelous
2: Miss Miss Universe? I don't know, Miss Maiselverse. Yeah, the marvelous
1: marvelous Mrs. Maiselverse is, I believe, what you're looking for. Thank Uh, you. But Mike had talked about how you're going to have a lot of fun, and Mike said, my thing is that uh, I, I find that I really enjoy a movie that has Doctor Strange in it, and yet I feel myself always the least captivated by Doctor Strange specifically, uh, was Mike's take, which I thought was really fun. Uh, and if that somehow describes you, and you have not yet seen Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, there is a lot of non-Doctor Strange stuff in here for you to wrap your head around. Boy, uh, is there yes. Um, generally speaking, Kevin, are you even able to talk about how you felt about the movie before um, getting into spoilery
2: stuff? Can you give some like general takes on it? Well, so it's been a few days, as you mentioned, since we watched this movie, and I've been thinking about this movie a bit, and I. Don't know, and I don't think it's because I can't talk about spoilers. I mean, we're gonna obviously get into spoiler territory, but I'm still not sure ultimately where I land on this movie. Like, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. There's a lot I did I heard enjoy. you laughing. I heard <laughs> you making noises. Certainly at one specific sequence, yes. Um, I I there's a lot I enjoyed about it, but I don't honestly know. How I feel about it as like a movie, I guess, and like where it, it sits in in like you said, the, the rankings. But as a whole, I, I'm I'm a little bit lost in the multiverse of madness, I guess, sure. on, on my feelings overall on this film. Yeah, I think it's
1: a packed movie. There is a lot going on in here, uh, as uh probably suggested by how many different things we feel like this movie sequelizes. It is it is a really in some ways, it is a really big movie. In other ways, I don't know if it's big enough. Uh, is maybe another take that I have. So I think a feeling of like being like a little bit lost in the in the clouds of what this movie is um, is uh, like symptomatic of the movie itself. Maybe being a little bit lost in is this a sequel? Is this an event? Is this you know is is this somewhere in between? And I've been, you know, old man shaking fist at Cloud for a while now about how, like, Captain America Civil War, for example, feels like Avengers 2.5 and doesn't feel like Captain America 3. Uh, And I'm the one who has to get over that to a certain extent because that's just the way of the land anymore that these movies are all building towards another thing. And to think of these as like traditional sequels is probably going to be unsatisfying in a, in a large way. And Dr. Strange two definitely fits that mold as like a second Dr. Strange movie. There are some ways in which I do think it follows the the path laid out by the first Dr. Strange movie. And in so many other ways, it is much more contingent on things that have happened since that film. Um, whether or not that's going to be satisfying for you is totally dependent on like where you are at with that calculus. I think Mm -hmm. for me, I was a little, I was, I I did walk away from the movie feeling like really exhilarated by a lot of the components of the movie really taken with a, with a couple uh, and really one performance in particular that knocked me out. Um, I think I do think maybe this is a hot take uh, that I think Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness contains like, a top five performance in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, might be like my really spicy take. I don't know how spicy it is. I'm
2: talking about Elizabeth Olsen. Of course. I don't think it's really spicy considering most of the Marvel movies I don't think are given this sort of ethos and, you know, uh, uh, in character to to really bring out this sort of drama. I can't think of like an instance where you really needed this level of emotion uh, put behind stuff. I think there's little things here and there that hit emotionality, certainly. But in terms of like giving a dramatic performance and giving an emotional performance, this is probably the movie that actually does it. And I don't think there's a few that come before that try to attempt, honestly. And that's not a dig against these Marvel movies, but it's just sort of a fact about them.
1: Yeah, I think she's unbelievably good in this movie she's incredible
2: i I love elizabeth olsen like i've developed this this huge crush on her throughout the marvel
1: experience honestly (laughs) yes uh she's she's tremendous i thought that she was incredible and then a couple of the other characters i really enjoyed as well uh and then a few others who maybe i would have been able to enjoy a little bit more under different circumstances and then just so much highly spoilable content that like it's gonna be very hard to talk around. So it I think will. we're gonna we're gonna start shifting into it. I think uh, we're gonna we're gonna to toss it to a commercial break to give you ample opportunity to get out of here if you haven't seen the movie yet. I would say if you are feeling comfortable enough to go to movie theaters and you are a huge marblehead, you gotta see it. Uh, you could wait till Disney Plus if you wanted to. if you haven't seen it by now and you've made it 10 minutes into this podcast, I am expecting that you've probably been spoiled on a bunch of stuff. It would be very hard to dodge, um, but you won't get it from us until after the commercial break. Um, But yeah, I would check it out uh, when you can, as soon as you can. It is clearly going to be very important for whatever Marvel has planned moving forward. And I know a lot of fans and additional.
2: that's my question I
1: I think so Kevin and I think we got to talk it through and I know a lot of people who have watched the movie and have written in feedback have lots of takes about where uh, specifically this is leading us towards so we'll talk that through we'll talk about the movie itself in just a moment stay tuned
0: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at chumpacasino.com Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli. I guess. Ah In my dentist's office.
1: What we is like back. the first thing that you would like shout about uh when it comes to Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness uh as far as spoilers go now that we are in the spoiler I section mean, look, is the guys- first thing going to be that Oh my god, I can't believe that Wolverine
2: is in this movie. And- Even more, I can't believe Wanda just pulled his skeleton out of his body like that. <laughs> Wild. He really pulled a Magneto on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: all right. Well, that's a, that's enough uh cover to provide for, yeah. This movie is uh the Wanda Maximoff breaks all the way bad kind of movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, it is suddenly
2: <laughs> and dramatically it is she the break bad.
1: it is the very, uh, you know, maybe uh, bad is the name of one of the uh, the people at Comertage who she breaks uh, as she is uh, on her war path towards Billy and Tommy a character. Uh, that is a diff- maybe coming up. Uh, we do officially, as of this movie, have mutants in uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is exciting. Yes, we do. Uh, sh- I mean, the worst kept secret of all time: Patrick Stewart being I mean, in this, this movie. This is why you don't watch trailers, am I right? At this point, like, yeah, but some of it is just like so ubiquitous at this point that like you're not going to be able to avoid it. Like, you're watching the Super Bowl, and now you know Patrick Stewart is in a Marvel movie again. Like, there's yeah. just like nothing you could do about some of this stuff. Uh, I. I do feel like as best as they could have held back, I feel like I would have I would have enjoyed them not tipping off that Patrick Stewart was in this movie, but whatever. He's in it. So is frickin' John Krasinski. Yes, he is. I as- guess this is
2: the first thing we should talk about. Cause this is this is probably the 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 part that really has left me, I don't know, like confused on my feelings. Because I think this movie is at war with itself in a lot of ways. I think This is one half of a Sam Raimi movie, and this is one half of a Marvel movie, and I honestly don't know if the two meshed as well as I would hope they did, Uh Um, and a lot of it is kind of contingent on this entire sequence in the middle of the film, which is the Marvel sequence, I guess, and I'm, I don't know how I feel about it, Josh, I don't don't know, there's things I like, and obviously the things it sets up for the broader Marvel universe is cool, but like... Boy, that was a weird sequence. <laughs> it's a it's a strange sequence uh, in a strange,
1: well, a strange movie. movie. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a very odd sequence in a strange movie. Uh, but I think also like in a lot of ways, a really electric scene in uh, this movie. Uh, it is it is very surreal to see Patrick Stewart interacting with Benedict Cumberbatch. It is very surreal to see Anson Mount. In a black bolt costume, after what they put <laughs> that poor man through uh, for the Inhumans TV show that was trash, was it mind blowing? Because it was uh, probably mind blowing
2: for him. Yeah,
1: what the heck? Oh, yeah, that whole thing was just absolutely terrible. <laughs> just a total, total mind trip. It was totally surreal to see um, uh, Haley Atwell back as Captain oh, Carter. That's uh, the one
2: part that I. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> boy oh boy do i want more of that like yes. god damn give me more of captain carter as Haley hatwell live action please i beg of you i
1: think strike that reverse that uh hayley atwell is more captain carter is what you mean what i say uh, <laughs> you said it the other way around no. <laughs> uh but uh her lashana lynch as captain marvel in this the what if of it all that was really fun i uh john krasinski as mr fantastic definitely have some thoughts about that it was uh i think at at the very least i want to start with all i i would like to start with some positives you know i i really don't want this to be like a, a bash fest by any stretch of the imagination because this isn't a movie that i want to bash it is a movie that i have questions about still um i i the experience of watching the movie by and large for me was a positive one and I really enjoyed my time in the theater and was really dazzled by a lot of the effects uh really dazzled by the
2: sam raimiisms I really felt in, movie in the, the movie the most positive josh like yeah. the the sam raimiisms are so good the horror aspect yes. let's just start there we want to talk about the positive the horror aspect of this film is fantastic he just does such a good job with those elements from the creepiness from the movements of wanda at certain points and the reflections how she crawls out of that uh that gong of course yeah, and they the don't even try to mirror. make it
1: they don't even try to make it look like anything other than the uncanny valley like mm-hmm. they don't try to make it look like anything other than like the the creepy headless woman in evil dead 2 you know like they go for it in like that like extreme horror sam Raimi mold which you know his brand in this regard has always been like uh the things that are utterly horrifying are also a little bit disgustingly hilarious uh and i and i think that like because bodies are weird and you should know that like that is like very much a part of sam Raimi's um technique when it comes to horror uh and even when it comes to his superhero uh catalog with, uh, you know, the, the Doc Ock arms and everything like that in Spider-Man 2, a lot of the Norman Osbornisms isms with Willem Dafoe in Spider-Man 1, um, even just, like, the times that, like, uh, you know, like just like multiple cuts of toby Maguire getting like punched over and over and over again type stuff. Even Bruce Campbell in this movie punching himself in the face over and over, <laughs> over, and, over and over again until it stops and he tells us it's over. It's uh, over. Straight uh, to camera. <laughs> I will say that uh, Multiverse of Madness has probably the, uh, you know, the maybe, if not the best uh post credit scene one that's in the conversation for sure uh for me uh is that Bruce Campbell one. It is Um, absolutely fantastic. And and that's and that's like pure Sam Raimi stuff and there are, I, I think that a lot of like the conversation that's been happening in the poster recaps patron Discord that I've gotten a chance to look at. There is like a, a little bit of a divide between people who are like, I don't really know Sam Raimi all that well. Ter- like b- between like um you know maybe beyond Spider Man stuff, uh and like seeing so much individuality in a movie like this was almost a little bit jarring for for some folks and then for other folks like no this was the stuff for me like it's just so great to see him stretch his wings and to see a filmmaker be able to do that in the palette of a marvel
2: movie um his so, black ghoul like wings yes
1: those are the ones the ones he's riding on the wings of the souls of the yes. dead uh that i i definitely fall into the camp of somebody who uh i have adored uh, the evil dead franchise since i was you know Younger than I should have been uh, to to be getting into that stuff, so seeing seeing him really be able to merge those sensibilities with the superhero genre in which he is obviously deeply uh, established and has a great legacy there as well um, was really, really cool and and very, very fun for me. All of that stuff um, when I could see the director at work really, really tremendously worked for me. Um, I think that your question about how it fits alongside um like the more marvelness uh aspect of of the film is like a worthy one to to drill into and talk about and this movie is in a lot of ways a continuation of wandavision uh that you really ought to have you really ought to have the context of wandavision and to know about billy and tommy and everything that wanda was going through in that movie um but uh, I do think that I have some like uh, it's a little bit of a whiplashy thing, and not in the "I need my bird" sense. Uh, between like the end of Wandavision, where she has like some kind of like resolution there of I'm like I've I've done a bad thing and I need to undo the bad thing I've and then done like a bad thing. and then go <laughs> I've and been a bad
2: girl. <laughs> I've been
1: bad. I've done a bad thing. I need to go and stop being bad. Uh, and, like, that seems to be the takeaway. And then the final scene, you're seeing her, you know, mess around with the Darkhold, which is fully going to corrupt her. But it does feel like there is still, like, there is some on-ramping for the, the full heel turn that is missing for me when you drop into that first scene with Wanda in this movie. And within that first scene, Wanda Maximoff, who's been, you know, in the films at least, a more heroically minded character angled character it feels fast i think like that's my issue it's less that this is where they take her that she's the villain of the piece and much more that like she is instantly the villain and you don't get to spend any time with the nuance of that outside of wandavision and so that's where i get back into my old man shaking fist at cloud thing of like I want you to set this up in the movie, I think, a little bit better. And I think that I felt a little imbalanced because the movie didn't get me there in a smoother way. It kind of just dropped me in. And I don't know that that totally worked for me. I think it did for many other people, but it it wasn't my favorite aspect of the thing.
2: Again, if you never watched WandaVision, it works great in the movie. And I think that's this is still going back to my major issue. I get what you're saying. You need the context of WandaVision, but... Not really, because like th- this is like WandaVision should have ended with her in this position. This is where she should have been. Honestly, again, my complaints about that finale of WandaVision are well documented on this podcast, but... This is, this is the issue because the only context you honestly need is that, I guess, Wanda had kids. That's it. They don't talk about the fact that Vision died in that. They don't talk about the fact that there's another Vision, a white Vision out there. They, the only time they mention about Vision's death is where she said that she had to, you know, blast a hole in his head, which happened in Endgame. They don't reference enough about Wanda Vision that is a necessitate of viewing beyond, like, well, she had kids. And if you're saying, like, you need to- That's a very big deal sure i mean but you could have easily just been like oh it's been a long time since endgame maybe she had kids but then the context of like your kids don't exist there's pieces it is the most and that's the thing here's that's the other part of it right like i guess you sort of need it but at the same time it's not enough of a connective tissue to warrant like again the care they should be putting into these shows like it's it's a weird dismissal of the show with how fast they just establish like hey she's the villain now all the stuff that happened in the show i mean kind of the journey there doesn't really go congruently with what we're doing here but that doesn't matter because this is the way we're going buckle up strap in she's bad let's go and to an extent, I'm fine with the she's bad, let's go. But to you, right, like you are missing that piece of how she got here if you've been watching the shows. Um, it, it's, it's a weird, strange disconnect. And I think that there are threads, but I think it shouldn't be a thread. It should be like a rope that is connecting these two things or whatever you want to metaphor it. And I think that's missing here, um, which is unfortunate. Uh, that said, again... I do think this is where she should have been at the end of the show. Well, and so, so like, like so then I'm kind of able at a certain point in the movie to
1: like make that leap where like I'm I'm eventually able to like make the leap of like, well, yeah, you know, when I think about it, um she was, you know, uh, you know, growing up in the shadow of like losing everybody she loved via Stark Industries. And then she loses her brother, and then she accidentally blows up a bunch of innocent people, and then she's kept prisoner, and then she falls in love and finally finds family again, and then she has to murder the guy that she's found family with, and then everything gets undone, but not that. And so she has to, like, you know, build him from the fabric of nothing alongside a bunch of people who are also uh, just getting uh, totally mind warped in service of that. And she's pulling literal human lives, children from the fabric of. Of what, like, is she summoning them from the multiverse with Billy and Tommy at this point? Are they complete fabrications or, like, echoes, shadows of elsewhere in the multiverse? What's going on with that? And then they're gone. Like, when you think about everything that she's gone through and some of the things that she's done, she is a great example of somebody who has just had enough. You know, like, it is enough. It is enough and I am being reasonable, and you need to get out of my way, and you need to let me have the things that I want to have. And I'm not trying to justify her. I'm certainly not trying to justify like the things and the choices that she makes in this movie. She kills innocent people, and she wants to kill an innocent person in America, Chavez, so that she can have her power, so that she can keep her child, uh, her children safe. And she's being corrupted by an external force simultaneously with all of that, that is preying upon the copious amounts of history that Wanda Maximoff actually has. I think it's like the ending of WandaVision doesn't quite get me to where we are with her at the start of the movie. Once I'm able to like, kind of like smooth that a little bit, I have to like get a little bit deeper into the movie. And I think the thing that you're talking about, the rope that does bring me there is Elizabeth Olsen, who in this movie, the way that she channels all of that facial tics, um, just like uh, her Voice, the way that she uh, embodies like the horror that Wanda has been through, and therefore the horror that is haunting the rest of the characters throughout the movie. Certain lines of dialogue of like, uh, do they have a mother? Well, then at least they'll have someone to go home to. Type shit was just next level good incredible and um and some of my favorite acting in any marvel movie ever i've been really impressed by elizabeth olsen for a really long time and i'm sure that accessing a lot of this stuff must have been extremely challenging she makes it look effortless it's just it, for like a movie that is so epic in scope and ridiculous and surreal in concept she makes it look really human and lived in and I uh, spent a lot of the movie thinking about little else other than how unbelievably impressed I was with Elizabeth Olsen.
2: She's so good in this role. I mean, it's everything you said to like, like you said, the hand movements, the like body language and the mannerisms she does. The, the Ignoring WandaVision, which again, I feel like this movie mostly did. Um, This movie and this version of Wanda, I think she's one of the better villains in the MCU because she comes from a place and a reasoning that I think is understandable to the likes of like a Killmonger type or a Thanos type uh, or a Vulture. You understand her motivations. You understand what could get her to this point. You could understand why she has become a villain. But what I also love is that I think there's no question in this that she is a villain. She is a person. guy like there's no question to that and i like that aspect what i also like though is that they did such a good job of creating a bad guy that thinks they're in the right and you believe it you believe that she thinks what she's doing she deserves that she has earned this uh and that makes a very interesting compelling fascinating villain and i think that all coupled with her performance really, really raises this character up as to, I think, one of the best villains in the MCU. She's phenomenal. Uh, Not just because, you know, as as in the acting, but also just in the character work, I think is so good in this as a, again, villain, uh, which is ostensibly what she is. Um... So all of that is like incredibly well done. I don't think I have any major, major gripes about her in this movie. Uh, Do you think she's dead? Do you think she's dead by the end? No, she can't. Well, first of all, she can't be dead, right? So the reason why I don't think she's dead is because. Strange says she's erasing the dark hold from other universes. In order to accomplish that, that means she has to go to other universes. So she's hopping dream-wise. around
1: to multiverses and, and taking out so, the dark hold
2: so that nothing like this can happen again. Right. So I don't think she's dead. No. Uh, I think she's definitely alive. Um they even you even see a flash of red as the building collapses right. on her. So uh, she's not dead. She'll be back in some way, shape, or form. Uh, like in the comics, they do this. They do, they do very similar during the uh, the Avengers disassemble slash uh, House of M storyline stuff. Um, and I'm sure she'll come back around one day. Uh, but where they end her, I think is pretty good in this in in this in this uh, in this movie. I think she had a very interesting arc. She's one of the few people who had an arc, honestly. Um, but that's what's inter- that's what's also kind of weird about it, right? Like I, at the same point I don't think Doctor Strange needs to have an arc, but you don't uh, feel like Stephen
1: Strange has an arc in this that he needs to be brave enough to love. Uh I guess. Is that <laughs> not a storyline?
2: Is it? He I hasn't it put is, himself is. he hasn't put himself out there enough. He they needs to get done back out there. one. I think he's gonna cuz we certainly get that in the First post credit that he's going to uh, go on a weird multiversal Charlize. date. Charlize. Yeah. Um, nice. That's also a weird thing, I will say. Uh, we're jumping around a lot, but so did this movie. Um I think this gone to like a weird thing where they're introducing characters in this like and here's this famous actor they're in the MCU now which is fine but also getting a little bit jarring. <laughs> yeah, but it's not the dark universe.
1: You know, this isn't it's Russell Crowe popping up in the mummy for a movie that's never going to happen. This is Marvel and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. A movie that's called that. Yes, it's okay. like a top 20 you know movie of all time I can't
2: believe you said this but it just did confirm my feelings on this sequence which we can get in depth about now the Illuminati sequence does feel like Russell Crowe popping up I think Charlize is fine because it was a post credits but the Illuminati one felt kind of hey guys there's gonna be other stuff happening and it's just like we we know you're a Marvel movie and the sequence really pulled me out for several reasons I think uh the first is because and this is a personal complaint i had tempered expectations i saw everything everywhere so i know what a multiverse movie that i really wanted to would be and i saw it I experienced it but for a movie called the multiverse of madness they really didn't go into a, a lot of multiverses they went into like two or three we saw one at the beginning it went away and he went to two others really so there, there's really a lack of multiversal madness so that's like a titling issue. And to your point about Captain America Civil War, I think I feel the same here about this, is that you should have named this thing maybe a little bit different. Um, So we lose the multiverse Doctor Strange and the Scarlet Witch. I mean, uh, and the Scarlet Witch of Madness? Uh, Yeah, maybe. Um, But like, so there's that, right? And the reason we don't get a ton of multiverses is because we spend so much time in this singular one to introduce the Illuminati and these major characters into the mcu now these are big people technically speaking right like you got uh black bolt on there who has been introduced but if you never saw that movie slash show which i didn't because no thanks um this is your intro to this character you got reed richards mr fantastic one of the biggest characters in the in Marvel Comics, you got Professor Xavier making his debut here in the MCU. Uh, and you know, um, you, you, you introduce them; they're here. They're supposed to be huge, and then they get like wiped out. They are so ineffectual in a weird way. It's just like big thing. They're the Illuminati. They're supposed to be like this this secret group, this people that control the stuff, and they get wiped now. I, okay. I agree that wanda should be able to do that because uh wanda maximoff is one of the most powerful beings in the universe in the marvel cinematic universe she is arguably the most powerful being in the universe uh because the only people who basically canonically stand up to her is phoenix who doesn't exist in our universe and franklin richards who doesn't exist in our universe yet so Bree phoenix... has has children though He does have kids. I'm telling you. I think I mentioned to you when I walked out. I want to see the Kill Bill version of Franklin Richards. Yeah, just Franklin Richards reality hopping and Kill Bill style to kill all the Wanda's. But anyway, they get wiped out super quickly by Wanda. New characters that were being introduced. Characters that honestly uh, could be big and powerful get wiped now to the point that when we see them again, they seem like nothing. Like, when Reed Richards does show up in the MCU, we're gonna remember him as just the guy Wanda popped like a balloon. Uh, when we see Xavier, we're just gonna remember him as the guy Wanda snap the neck of like nothing. So it really downplays these major characters. Now, take that as you will, but like, that's essentially what happened here. Um, these characters who are supposed to be really dangerous and really powerful in and of themselves and big get reduced to cannon fodder. Um, and that's not even to talk about my girl Captain Carter because yeah. I'm still just gutted about that. So is she? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It really, it really just broke her in two.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think that these are fair points about uh, the ease with which they are taken out and like the degree to which that they go up against Wanda without a plan you know two i think is probably yeah, you're the, supposed
2: the, to be the smartest person in the world
1: yeah the person who has the worst look on that is for sure reed richards and krasinski as reed um i don't know that like if like if and we should note that we are recording this uh, uh it is 6 37 p.m eastern time on may 10th 2022 as we are saying these words Nothing has been announced as far as like, is John Krasinski officially Reed Richards in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Or is this just a, admittedly, uh, if it's just this, I think a really fun way of nodding at like the ways in which we all get to create this stuff together, uh, and that it's not like you're bringing in either of the two previous "no one gives a shit" about uh, versions of Mister Fantastic. With all due respect, uh, but in- screw you, Wong <laughs> But instead, <laughs> listen, it's mostly directed at Miles Teller. Uh, but like, instead, it's the version of Fa- uh, Mister Fantastic that so many fans have literally just like photoshopped together have wanted to see. I think that that like is a cool gesture towards like. There are so many universes out there that the one that you want exists. And here's like one thing from that. Um, I like that. I also think it is going to then be really confusing when uh, there's a Fantastic Four movie in a couple of years. If it's not Krasinski and it's like a different person as Mr. Fantastic. Maybe we've gotten enough traction in what the hell is up with these multiverses and them being a thing that it can get explained away relatively quickly in the movie that's going to be a little bit of a harder thing to clear for me as far as I'm concerned than like I watch Reed Richards get popped like I don't know that that will necessarily be the thing that I think about but I will think about it in the context of this movie that it does feel like it is you know a bunch of it admittedly really fun cameos and i'm not gonna complain about seeing Haley atwell in live action in a marvel movie as captain carter it's like a, a fun excuse to see some of that stuff but mostly it's in service of just showing how quote-unquote badass scarlet witch is and that um is is maybe a little frustrating uh to a degree and i i don't know if i would say it took me all the way out of the movie the way that it seems like it really took you out but it definitely stood out for sure um Definitely
2: stood out. Well, I, I want to say one thing here before I actually go into a positive about this sequence. Um, even let's let's remove ourselves as fans. Right. Let's remove ourselves as people who know a lot of this stuff. If you don't know the Marvel Universe, if you only know the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you're being introduced to a few characters here that are essentially meaningless to you. And they show up and Wanda dispatches them very easily. We've talked about before when this is done in storytelling, the Wolverine or Wharf effect, right? You get your bag got to take out the most badass person in order to show how powerful they are. There is no context for how powerful these people are. We haven't seen them really do anything. So even that can't be a Wharf effect type situation because their powers are meaningless to anyone who hasn't read the comics or know about them so to me that makes it even further ineffectual in terms of what it's trying to do as a story That said, let's remove some of that stuff things i did love they turned uh, mr
1: fantastic into spaghetti and then said, like popped him like a balloon them. and they, then they made black bolt uh, blow his own brains out that, with his supersonic boom
2: voice right so that, that was part cool very cool the, <laughs> the, the 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 what mouth is great the, the unraveling of him is great. This is Wanda using her power. See, you, you shifted it into a semi-complaint, but this Wanda using her powers in a way that, that she should, not shooting lasers all the time. Because Wanda's power is that, going again back to everything everywhere, how Joe Tabuki uses that power, that's what Wanda's supposed to be doing. And the fact that it's just like laser light show is kind of like, come on, guys, be a little imaginative. That said, getting to see Black Bolt is a character I really like, Actually, showcase his powers, even if it's just for a second before it becomes useless. It's awesome. That moment's cool. He's just a step forward. You just see him say his voice, and then the vibrations like wiping him away. That was very cool. Seeing Xavier in the yellow wheelchair and
1: more with that, a little bit of a the stinger of the X-Men 92 theme song. The
2: theme song. Up. Mm-hmm. And also how he uses his powers is straight out of the cartoon because in the cartoon whenever he does it you have those like white circles that emanate out from him and they did it in this movie which I thought was very fun and very cool and such a good throwback to that. Yeah. yeah. So I loved all of that. I loved By the way, just... who
1: who has died? In uh, in a superhero capacity in live action, more than Patrick Stewart know, as Professor right? X. He's really uh, giving Gene Gray a run
2: for the money he, right now. He's
1: incinerated in X-Men the Last Stand. Band, yes. Uh, he dies. I guess I don't am I spoiling a, a lot of stuff here? That's he, fine. He doesn't make it in another one. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, sure. And he's now dead again. Yeah. Uh he poor dies guy quite a bit. Yeah, that's
2: rough. <laughs> That's tough, tough break, literally. Uh, But that, oh, by the way, uh, backing up, that sequence is so cool. I loved seeing him in the astral plane, in the mindscape, the cloud coming in with the red and her popping out, all horror style to break his neck. Awesome sequence. Um, Again, Haley Atwell's Captain Carter. There's just so much I love about that. Just the look of her, Jesus Christ, I can't um and then lastly I did like John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic whether or not that's going to continue I actually liked him I know Josh you didn't and I know some people didn't but I thought he was fine I thought he was he was okay like I liked him in that role are there people I would put in that role other than him maybe yeah I mean Lakeith Sanfield has been the one that I keep going back to I would stick to that um oh I can't uh William Jackson Harper uh, Chidi yep. from the Good Place absolutely would put him in that role too. But John Krasinski is to me totally, totally fine in that role.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. I would say he was <laughs> totally fine uh, in in that role. I think my issue with John Krasinski as Mister Fantastic and I. He he looks amazing. He looks like very comic book-esque as Mr. Fantastic. And it was just really neat and really cool. I think my problem with John Krasinski is like he's been trying to do this so for so long. And like it felt it like I could like smell the desperation. Like, the come on, dude. You screen. can't you can't knock someone for wanting something no, so bad I, and going after it. I get it. I get it. I do. I just it felt like it felt a little wooden and it felt uh, it, it was hard for me to like reconcile it with like uh, Jim Halpert from The Office has been trying so hard to be an action star. Uh, like in a really, really, really major way It's like to do like Michael Bay movies and his Jack Ryan and in like a very action heavy version of Jack Ryan as a character specifically. That's a little bit a lot for me. Um, so I, I, I have a couple of hang ups there. That being said, I think it's a it's a role he could for sure grow into. And I actually do think that the thing that I would really like to see when you talk about like Cheedy from The Good Place, when you talk about like William Jackson Harper and like all of like the different possible like LaKeith Stanfield, all these different possible people who who could be Mr. Fantastic. uh, I'm almost like in for like when they do Fantastic Four. Just have the whole movie be like a shit ton of versions of the Fantastic Four. Uh, like, I would maybe be like extraordinarily here for that. Which I don't be, know.
2: They're reality hoppers. That's certain. I mean, they're scientists and voyagers. I think that could totally work, and and it would be cool to see that. I or I even agree. to see like some like
1: uh, like a, a Fantastic Four movie have like uh like a villainous Reed Richards which I know is not without precedent um and like have Krasinski play that version could be cool um like I think that there are a lot of ways to integrate John Krasinski further into the MCU um that would be creative and exciting and it could be as straightforward as he's just Mr. Fantastic and like I'll sign up and I'll check that out no doubt uh like he he looks great in the part I do think it's a little bit of easy casting uh, and the performance was not um, all the way there for me, um, but it was uh, it was still a thrill to to see um, yeah. going I mean, into so much... in the movie. That was one that like I knew because Twitter has uh, no well, chill. I'm, I didn't know that. I shouted in the theater. You heard me. I did. Uh, Twitter has no chill. So I think maybe part of it is like uh, the surprise was was lost on me. So I didn't feel uh, you know like as as moved by it perhaps as as others may have, but. Um, you know, I'm thrilled for everyone who was, like, over the moon about that. And yeah. I think that a lot of the idea behind it, uh, I think is, uh, as I said, I think is pretty neat.
2: To be fair, again, he he can only do as much as he's been given. And I don't know how much yeah. he was given in this particular role, in this particular scene, you know. So there is that aspect to it. Yes. And, like, again, I'm not going to begrudge this guy for wanting to, like, obviously do something different than what he's been known as as Jim Halpert. We would not have Chris Evans as Captain America if he wasn't given that chance. That man was just a comedy boy for a long time. He tried to do movies like Cellular and be like action taken seriously and no one was. And Marvel gave him the shot and it worked out real well for him. So I'm finally giving John Krasinski the shot here to actually see if he can do this. Because if Chris Evans can, I want to believe that John Krasinski can do it. I also know Ryan Reynolds can do it, but he wasn't given a lot of chances to actually play serious. (laughs) Sure.
0: Plus.
1: We've spent a long time talking about Doctor Strange and the multiverse of madness without talking a ton about Doctor Strange
2: specifically. Which really? So it's a little bit here. Especially when there.
1: there's there's a bunch of different Doctor Stranges in this movie. Doctor uh, Strange eyes. There are how many Doctor Stranges in this movie? Well, there's Four? a one, there's
2: ponytail Doctor Strange. Yeah. There's our Doctor Strange. There's so there's uh, Ponytail
1: Strange, there's our Doctor Strange, Lama, there's the Doctor Lama, Strange. Illuminati. <laughs> <there's, laughs> There's the Illuminati Strange who's dead, and then there's the Darkhold Strange, and then if you want to call it five, uh, the first Strange is also the last Strange when he's a zombie Strange that's also our Doctor Strange. The most Sam Raimi moment, by the way, is Uh, that the
2: climactic battle isn't a zombie version of our hero.
1: Beyond that, we now officially have
2: live-action Marvel zombies, Kevin. That's kind of fun. That is very fun. I mean, we saw it right in what if, sort of, and so... Uh, getting a little throw here to it and letting Sam Raimi actually make him look like a goddamn zombie was really cool. Um, yeah. Dr. Strange, you know, I think there's so much about, I like about this character and part of me is like, is he a character that maybe just is, isn't the focus of his own movie or is his own story? Is there not enough here? Because there's so much other stuff going on that I feel like there wasn't enough with him. I don't think he needs to have like a major character arc, necessarily but so much of the movie was focused on him and rachel which is a relationship i rachel no christine my gosh rachel i guess McAdams. rachel mcadams yeah. uh christine uh which is again i don't care about it as a relationship because the movies refuse to actually care enough to make them feel like a relationship so that did nothing for me um but that said, positive. I think I like Benedict Cumberbatch in the role. I think when he gets to do his, you know, very strangey stuff of being the smartest guy in the room, I think it's very fun. And that music battle, I think, is one of the most original <laughs> battles I've seen uh, in the MCU. That scene was awesome as hell when he's fighting the Darkhold version himself and they're fighting with musical notes and you can hear the music playing in the background. The that music battle I loved. I thought the that music was battle was incredible. really cool. Yeah. That was really good and really ingenious. It's like,
1: okay, well, you're going to need to have a scene that has uh, super CGI, lightning bolty type stuff between uh, the Doctor's Strange. And uh, the answer that is like, Fine, I'll do it, but it's gonna be music notes coming off a page, and we're gonna do incredible
2: stuff uh, with the Danny Elfman score. And it's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. This this now makes every laser light show that comes forth afterwards look like trash. I don't so know. About good, like trash, I, I but... like that Sam Raimi did this. That he was just like, okay, be more creative. And I was just like, yeah, man, you got it. Good uh, job, Sam Raimi.
1: That was cool. I thought that the movie was like flirting around the edges of. Um. Uh. And I. I think it goes there to a certain degree about uh Doctor Strange's arrogance uh being so dangerous to the world. And I think that there is a really powerful message in there. Is like anyone who like trusts themselves to that degree to have the answers and to know the way forward beyond a shadow of a doubt. Should be looked at as at least like a relatively dangerous person uh, with the capacity for a lot of danger at the very least. And I thought that they went there to to some extent um, with, uh, you know, the scene, the only scene that Michael Stuhlbarg gets in this re- reprising his role from the first Doctor Strange of him talking about what he lost in the snap, like his cat.
2: Uh, <laughs>
1: but he also lost what? He lost a sibling, I for think his he brother, said, <laughs> you know, and so he lost stuff. And, you know, he's like, I have, I keep wondering if that was the only way and Steven being like, so sure that was the only way. And then I think a lot of the other realities bearing out that, no, there were maybe other paths forward, maybe not in your universe, potentially, but in other universes, definitely there were other paths forward. Um, and I, I liked that there seemed to be some degree of examining the ramifications of his Infinity War choice. Uh, But I think they could have gone there a little bit more deeply. I think the thing that for me, even more than that, is I would have liked there to be. And I think that that's another part of why Scarlet Witch just being immediately the villain of this was a little hard for me in terms of like really getting invested in the, the totality of the story. Is I just didn't feel a, I felt like basically no connection between Doctor Strange and Wanda Maximoff. Like I yeah, feel like they, they don't they don't have a relationship they don't have a connection um they're you know they're the magical Avengers that's about it you know did they and interact once
2: previous to this
1: not not in a major way that I recall there you uh, go you know if at all yeah. yeah and so their first scene is in like this apple orchard that turns out to not be that uh and that was um a really good scene uh for the first portion of it. And I was excited about like the opportunity to get into like the two of them working together. And I think I would have been really down for like some kind of heel turn if she gets into comertage. And that now like the call is coming from inside the house uh, could have been really fun. I think it would have you know taken away from some of the cool stuff about the like the raid of comertage Kam- of her like uh, snapping the mind of that one guy. And once everything turns from there, her being encased in the mirror world, which was really freaking creepy um, but I, I think what we lose in keeping that is some connection between Strange and Wanda that I found myself really feeling like I wanted um, to, in, in order to like care a little bit more about uh, like Strange's self-reflection, I think needed to reflect a little bit more about what was going on with Wanda specifically. I don't know if that quite is articulated right, but... It's
2: not articulated, but it's, like, semi there, right? It's the story of, like, how does the villain reflect or talk about or comment on the hero? And there is that element of it, Rhonda being so sure of what she's doing that she's a bad guy versus Strange, always so sure of what he's doing, and should that be the case, right? Like, there is is a little bit of it there, but there's not enough of it there, which I think is, you know, again, part of the, I think, overall issues with the story. But, um... Uh, yeah, it, it it's really tough, though, because like with Doctor Strange, like I, you kind of like him being an arrogant jerk. Like that's his whole thing. It's what makes him interesting. I mean, you get that. We get it's like it, it's like if, if you took the snark away from Tony. Right. You, you, it's not him anymore. And I think if you take the arrogance away from Strange, you sort of lose who he is as a character. So I think that always needs to be there. You can't do the story and have it be like he gets over that because that he's not. The character we like necessarily anymore it's like in comics they always do these stories about how johnny storm is going to grow up and no longer be a hothead and then the next writer comes on he's back to being a hothead because that's the only way you really write johnny storm so you, you kind of lose a bit of that here if you, if, if you have him too much on a character journey which is why i'm okay with him not having like a major character journey in this movie i don't necessarily think he always needs it but you know he has to overcome the bad guy he has to have some sort of learning he could do which i think is vital and there is an element of that where he decides not to strip um uh uh, america of her powers but instead um let her you know help her control it i think that is a lesson that he kind of learned it's not a major lesson but it's a lesson yeah but i i think that uh i i i feel a lot of what you're saying and it's you know
1: when we've talked about Doctor Strange in the past, you and I will often like go to Doctor Strange The Oath, uh, Mm -hmm. which is a great Brian K. Vaughn and Marcus Martin comic book, where uh, I I really love that one because it is, you know, in many ways, it's just like a really established Doctor Strange who's sort of like guiding you through the story. And it is a lot less about like his own personal change and more about a romp. Um, And I'm good with like Strange on a romp. And I think that Strange on a romp could still have a lot to uh to intersect with with the villain story and Wanda's story, but I think then we end up getting caught up with. And I know you love Rachel McAdams a lot, Kevin. Um, but I do think that like the Christine Palmer storyline just you know like it didn't really work in the first movie, and then they tried to you know tell a story in the the What If animated series that I actually did really still didn't like. work for me, and I know that that didn't really work for you. And then I did think out that it was interesting that there were ways in which like, I guess that episode of what if does do some sort of like table and level setting for multiverse of madness and some of the conflicts that are going to be within there, but also not directly. And so I had like, I I, I felt like some kind of way about all of that, but I think if you remove all of the Christine Palmer um, storyline out of the movie for me, and instead a lot of that energy that strange can have in terms of, you know, accelerating his character growth, but certainly interacting with the character growth of others, then I think ends up enriching the Scarlet Witch story. And much more importantly uh, for me, enriches America's story, who I um, I I really am excited about Sochil uh, Gomez in the future of the MCU. She plays America Chavez, really cool character with a really cool power set, who I feel like... Um, i would have i would have liked to have seen a lot more individuality for her in yes, the movie other agreed. than being like sort of like the infinity gauntlet that has to get like protected and like brought well, a, from, she was a living MacGuffin, <laughs> you know and so like i think that there's there you know we are once again adding to this sprawling roster at this point of people who could be part of a future young avengers uh project or like the next generation of uh of of uh of Marvel heroes uh and I think that she's way up on that list of people who could be really fantastic in that role in that in that regard and I'm excited about what that could possibly be but I felt like it was a little thin in the movie she does a great job of like giving that character a lot of personality and identity but I feel like the story kind of uh just ends up being she has to get from like point a to point c and uh has to be like uh you know protected at all costs along the way I feel like you take Christine Palmer out of the story who like teaches like a very hollow lesson to strange about you need to be willing to accept Charlize Theron into your heart in Dr. Strange three, you know, like I feel like you take that out. And I think that you've got a lot more room to have this story of like, um, uh, like mentorship and growth between strange and America specifically that I did. It didn't totally resonate with, with me. And I, I wanted that stuff to work for me a little bit more.
2: Yeah, I, I thought, you know, the character has a lot of potential, a lot of, like, interesting powers that, as you mentioned, uh, Social Gomez did a phenomenal, phenomenal job uh, with, again, what she was given. Um, but, like, yeah, the regulation of the character just basically into not even sidekick, but just as a MacGuffin, essentially, um, it didn't allow for a lot of, growth for her and for the audience to really connect to her in a a big way the only attempt at like connection was the scene with her moms where they had uh her you know pulled into uh the uh, the other unit or had her mom's pulled into another universe right which also wasn't there sorry now i'm on a tangent and i'm about to go on a rager but wasn't there a whole thing where there was supposed to be like confirmation that she's lgbtqia in this and stuff i mean she's wearing a pin but I saw nothing about that and I thought there was another big deal Marvel stuff about it. So again, if Marvel was trying to make a big deal and Disney's trying to make a big deal about representation and the representation is that she wore a pin, that's effing trash. Uh I just remembered this and maybe I'm mistaken, but I feel like that was said. I don't know. I missed it if so oof guys come on <laughs> so you could have had that you could give, have given her have a love interest and it could have at least driven something more than i accidentally sent my mom's away and right. then we'll never talk about it or have a real resolution i
1: just I wanted a little more from the story i think is ultimately what i want, wanted there yeah um, is you know not all the way there for me Not all the way there for me. Uh, There was also just not a lot of Mordo. And I know that that was probably a bummer for people who leave the first Doctor Strange with the big teaser that Mordo is going to be a big deal. And then he's not in this very much other than an alternate universe version. But apparently there is like this horrible history between Strange and Mordo uh, that uh, seems to be beyond like those final few minutes of uh, of uh the of the first dr strange movie which is where like there you have like the friendship breakup but otherwise like they're pretty solid throughout the movie so it's like it felt like i missed something
2: something was definitely missing like how how does he know mordo is bad because he didn't see mordo steal the energy out of benjamin bratt like he never saw that happen and the last time they spoke mordo was just like hey I don't agree with this and where the, the direction uh, of, of, uh, of, of Karmintaj and everything is headed. So like I'm leaving peace out. And then he leaves. It wasn't just like, I will find you and kill you one day. He never says that. So in strange, is just like, he's been trying to kill me. I'm just like, I wait where did, when did that happen uh i will say yeah i really wish there was more of this character because this character is fascinating because even this version of him that we see with the illuminati is still like the same in that this character is so by the books and follows the rules that he just has become like a bad guy because like he doesn't he's not Evil that we can see. He hasn't done anything evil. His entire thing in this was just again following the rules to a point of lunacy because he's just like, I'm gonna wait here until they return and we'll have our vote. And it's just like, buddy, (laughs) like come on. And so like, those are the parts I think is so interesting and fascinating with this character. (laughs) But like, we don't get anything. And even after like they have a fight, he just leaves him and is walking away. And Mordo's just like, this is why I don't like you. (laughs) Like. It's actually I kind of love this dynamic between them. I really wish we got more because I love the idea that Mordo's not necessarily bad. He's just a dude who can't stop following the rules.
1: Or a dude who just like can't stand Doctor Strange is also kind of like a funny note for him. If like yeah. that's basically <laughs> the extent of it. Um I did want a little bit more there just as far as like it being a sequel to Doctor Strange if you're going to have him in there. Uh like you you set something up and I I didn't feel like it was really followed through upon, but um that's okay uh we have a lot of feedback uh from the listeners don't come on (laughs) i'm not good being nice uh so this came our way from tessa uh tessa who loves john krasinski she says i love john krasinski and i don't know if it was the shock of it all that made me start laughing but there's just (laughs) something to actually seeing him on the screen as the character that didn't fully sit right with me in the moment but that being said, I'm open to seeing what he brings to the role, if it's actually his in more than a few minutes of cameo. I think uh, I'm, I'm close to that with uh, where Tessa's at, uh, as pertains to Doctor Strange, uh, to uh, uh,
2: Mr. Fantastic, rather. Such hilarious names, by the way. OK, but imagine, though, if it is John Krasinski who is Mr. Fantastic. I know other people have mentioned this, but you can have a great moment where John Krasinski is Mr. Fantastic and you have... Uh, randall park as uh jimmy woo jimmy woo show up and have them interact and you could just do a great joke of jimmy woo saying you know people always said i look like you and it would just be the most amazing reference (laughs) that the marvel cinematic universe could make so like that needs to happen just the casting alone should happen just for that moment
1: uh who from the office should play which uh fantastic four of people
2: I mean, obviously, Rain Wilson would have to be Dr. Doom in this particular case. Yes. Uh, you should have... Oh, man. Who would be who? I mean, it's easy to cast Pam and Jenna Fisher as uh, Mrs. Fantastic. But I think you could have a fun moment there with Karen being uh, uh, Mrs. Fantastic and get um, uh, Rashida Jones in there. Is BJ Novak Johnny Storm? No, because like I-, I think that BJ Novak like worked so well... When he was like early seasons, you know, and uh, he was like more of the like straight man character to like a lot of the lunacy. Uh, I think if you have like Michael Scott as like uh, Johnny Storm, that could be very, very funny. Wow. Uh, this is very, it's a multiverse of
1: madness, indeed. indeed. Um, that leads nicely into this from Felipe. Uh, Felipe, uh, who also agreed about the Mordo thing, uh, about uh, Felipe had said, I was excited at the prospect of a bigger story for Mordo after Doctor Strange. So it was a bit bummed that the sequel had nothing to do with that. Um, but Felipe had said, So are all the multiverses happening at the same time? Does this mean that Professor or x is always going to be old regardless of who plays him or could the 616 timeline have like a mid-30s xavier i'm reminded of this question from felipe when i think about like so could steve Corell just be like a retired johnny storm who like shows up in a time displaced fantastic four uh, what I do you mean, think yeah hey, is, is that how this is working that like the multiverses are all running on like the same time uh lines or i mean how do you quantify time in like the paint averse uh, Right,
2: yeah. Like, I think it, it varies from universe to universe, and I think fluctuations causes different things, right? Like, so, Xavier's not always necessarily going to be, I think, the same age and older person in every universe. He has... The X-Men haven't really shown up. They haven't been mentioned. So you can easily do it where just muti- the, 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 the gene didn't show up until later, right? It could still be Xavier, but for whatever confluence of events, he wasn't born until decades afterwards. Right. So there's ways that you can work around it. I mean, time doesn't always flow the same way you know in universes to universes i mean in, it, uh, as a person who watched sliders which there was a sliders reference in this which i thought was very fun um you there's one reality where time moved backwards even so i think there's a lot of uh, different ways that they be played around with but yeah uh, throughout this movie another positive is the sliders ref which is the uh red means go which was the first reality in sliders that he slips into that's that's, cool. that's fine
1: yeah. Uh, quickly from Felipe he said, I just want to acknowledge Elizabeth acted against a green screen and brought that much talent to that climactic <laughs> moment. Uh, <laughs> very, very good from Felipe. Um, but I wanted to go from talking about like, uh, like the painterly multiverse and all these different multiverses to a couple of different things. One, you had touched on this earlier uh, and Ryan reflects your sentiment. Uh, I wish we'd spent more time and in more than just three universes, a multiversal chase and fight scene, like in what if would have been Awesome. But I get that the whole point is that Wanda can't follow them. Um, so that's from Ryan. The, uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting, this was from Brian, uh, who had said, I'm pretty sure it's well established that each universe can range from similar to 616 to where we paint to you're a crocodile here. So when Sinister Strange asks 616 Strange to prove that he's a strange, how does 616 Strange know that Sinister
2: Strange would have a sister at all? Uh, he does it, right? You you take a risk and take a gamble and try to share something, uh, because like I don't know how else you prove it. Um, you do that when you, you you meet like a like a like a literal doppelganger or a clone. I think they tried to go the clone route, which is usually how that works, but they kind of pulled it in this. It's like it's 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 the writer's tool shop, you know. You just go in, and you pull something that the audience will have reference to, and you just don't think too much about it. It's, it's done constantly. The same thing when Wanda's just like, "Oh, you didn't say I you never said her name at the beginning of the movie and that's the reveal of how she's a bad guy." Every goddamn movie does that. I kind of wish they'd actually do something else, but it's it's the shortcuts. You just pull it to use it to just to get the audience something familiar and they just carry on with it. I think it's a bit lazy personally, but yeah, that's why that happens. Okay. Um, so some
1: other stuff. Uh, Jared agreed with you about everything everywhere all at once. Uh, yes. Jared, agreement. Said, yes. <laughs> Jared said that that movie, the movie's biggest problem is that it came out a month after everything everywhere all at once. And that movie uh, executed every single concept that this one did better with more intimacy on a smaller budget. Uh. really great movie. If you all have not checked that out, you certainly should More multiverse stuff and this is the part where like okay so multiverse of madness is setting stuff up i don't care what kevin mahadeo says uh take that uh out of context and put it in any context you want um retro uh in the in the discord had said i was fascinated that incursions were such a big part of the plot there's a great storyline from jonathan hickman that deals with the illuminati and incursions and i wonder if it's going to be the blueprint for coming films The comic ends up with the world being recreated with parts of other universes. And I wonder if that's how we're going to get the mutants. Also the TVA was probably preventing prior incursions. So that's another thing that Sylvie and Loki have screwed up. Uh, And that is the way maybe uh, that this movie is somewhat sequelizing um, Loki. uh, Maybe (laughs) to, to to some extent, but the word incursions is used multiple times in this movie. Um, I think that one of the things that uh, I'm going to have to get over when I go and re uh, you know, reapproach this movie is I think that I expected Multiverse of Madness to sort of be like uh, the big multiverse event. I think that the name kind of, for me, suggested and implied that. Um, but I think maybe I was overlooking the of madness part being much more of a signal of what the genre of the film and the tone of the film was going to be. But for me, Kevin, this feels like a like, this feels like what Avengers the first one is to so like Infinity War and Endgame. This movie kind of is to what's coming next, which is if not coming right away next, still requires some work to get there. But Secret Wars, I think, is the one that gets bandied about by a lot of people where incursions, this word, this buzzword, this idea of the collision of universes and the the, the collapse and the, the recreation of universes that was a big deal in Marvel Comics not terribly long ago is where we might be headed as far as like our next big event. So in that way, this movie does end up being really important. It just ends up being more of an entry point than like a, a closer to an exit point, which I think is maybe... Was my mistaken expectation heading into this one?
2: Uh, I don't know. I'm not gonna put it on you. I really think that like again if you if you if you do certain things to make implications about your film and it's not that you can't be like, well, that's for you for thinking that's gonna happen no you 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 get some blame there, dude. Like so I, I don't think that's on you for thinking this is gonna be what this is because I felt like they were leading up to something bigger. And honestly, if this if if the big multiversal event is coming and this is the first step, I think it's a very wobbly step. Um, I feel like Marvel, you know, this is this happens to a lot of things. Marvel had a solid plan with the Thanos and Infinity Saga. I think they kind of knew the direction they're going. They had overarching big goals. It was highly successful. I don't think they had planned this next phase as well as they did The first, because the first, I think, required a lot of intricate planning. There was
1: also a global pandemic. I don't know if you heard about that, but that did happen, and maybe is still happening. And it has been disruptive for a lot of things, including a uh, typically carefully, delicately, uh, you know, uh, obsessively structured film slate. Uh, You know, an elaborately woven tapestry that. Things have been reordered in strange ways. Again, there's that word. Um, I think that the original, this is a This is a 2021 article from Collider that is rounding up what the initial slate of Phase 4 was supposed to be, was that Black Widow was always going to kick it off in 2020, and then it was going to be Eternals in 2020, and then it was going to be uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think, between those two. But then it was going to be WandaVision, And then it was going to be Shang-Chi shortly after WandaVision. And then it was going to be Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness shortly after uh, both of those things. Maybe like a couple months after WandaVision. Loki happening simultaneously with Multiverse of Madness. And then Spider-Man No Way Home actually happening after Multiverse of Madness. Um, So things got reordered and restructured Call it an incursion if you want, like a real life incursion. And a lot of that is like you just have to pivot the best that you can given the circumstances. And I have, you know, again, Walt Disney Company does not need my sympathies. Uh, but like the the creative process behind that, like I'm sympathetic to that being difficult. Um, I do think we're – I don't want to speak for everyone. I do think I am starting to feel a little bit of the strain of something that feels – either um if not all the way disorganized certainly opaque right you know certainly like a little bit uh cloudy uh in a a way where one of the things that was nice uh you know in like the infinity saga was you you there were certain shots that you could call in terms of story structure and then um stuff that you could never call uh or, or like really ever truly expect to see like Steve Rogers getting Mjolnir, you know, stuff like that. Um, There's like, there is something to like, let me like have a little bit of a clear path of where you're going that I think is really useful when you are spinning a yarn this elaborately that I feel like I'm kind of losing the thread on. And if I'm losing the thread on it, I feel like that's not the best.
2: No, because I'm less unforgiving than you. So you can only imagine where I am. But uh, at the end of the day here, right? Like we're never going to get, the Infinity Saga taken away from us. The Infinity Saga happened. They did something unbelievable from start to finish with that. Endgame was incredible. Like you said, Steve Rogers wielding it. The payoffs, everything that we got to Endgame was, was was incredible. I think it was so well done and was so brilliant. And we'll never lose that. And so it's an experience that I think as kids, we never could have imagined. And as an adult, I'm so happy I got. So I got that. If the rest of the if the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe moving forward is also going to be like eh, it's fine, sure. Does that kind of suck? Yeah, but we still got the Infinity Saga. We still had that happen, and there's there's very little to you know like complain about with the fact that that we were gifted such uh, an incredible incredible experience. Uh, that said, it should be obvious. To, like I again, it should have been. It was a clue to me that Phase Four is wonky AF. With the fact that it kicked off with black widow. I know you've said this before. I've said it before. So that to me, that has said everything about where fair phase four has been, where I'm like, Oh, your choices are weird.
1: Because like there's some measure to which like phase four feels like we would like to give you a palate cleanser. Also, we would like to give you the most complicated story that we've ever concocted. So it's like which which is it? You know, yeah. so it, so it feels a little whiplashy to me. Phase 4 feels like it's multiple phases running simultaneously well, and TV
2: stuff happening simultaneously. It's, it's just, just
1: it's so much. It's just it's it's a lot of plates that are spinning and like I uh, I I really love the Infinity Saga so much, and I've enjoyed a lot of the new Marvel stuff as well. And I even I know that this is and and I I really I feel bad about it. Like I know that this has been like kind of like a, a skewing negative podcast uh, about about Doctor Strange. I I had a really fun time in the movie, but it left me like with questions, yeah. and it left me with like it left me with like some 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 thoughts Uh, I I was talking to someone who I would describe as like a total Marvel casual uh, the other day uh, having um, uh, she had seen this movie and we were just like chatting about it a little bit. And there was just like, kind of like a level of like confusion uh, and exhaustion that I, that I picked up uh, both in uh, from the Marvel casual. And then like very pointedly, like from myself to a, to a certain degree where I don't really know what the, what the fix is for it. I think that there is something to be said for the fact that DC has kind of given up on like, everything has to be connected. Uh, and oh, instead- I thought you just meant given up period. <laughs> and I'm like,
2: well, yeah, considering all the things happening. I don't know. Their I, think, movies, I, think, holy hell. I think
1: that a lot of, uh, a lot of like the, the decisions again, uh, you know, th- you know, w- whether or not you've loved every single movie that, they- that they've done, but I think that there is a degree to which it's like, we're not gonna uh you know we we missed the window to do like the big expansive cinematic universe at least i hope they realize that they have uh and instead like let's just make good movies uh and like there is a degree to which like yeah i want reed richards to be able to interact with dr strange but i also it's so much more important to me that like reed richards can interact within his own really good coherent movie um so, I'm hopeful for all of that stuff. I guess I am just a little bit confused about the direction um and so that's not my favorite place to be with with all of it. That being said did uh did really enjoy uh quite a bit of this film yeah I know I, mean, I, it, know, it do- I know it doesn't sound like it uh, I,
2: same right <laughs> like there's there's a lot I did enjoy, like I said, I think I enjoyed all the Sam Raimi stuff. Uh, but I the zombie strange, just, uh, the Sam
1: Raimi stuff, the zombie strange. Riley had a great Riley essay. Uh, I loved this movie for one simple reason. It was a truly a Sam Raimi movie in terms of an MCU movie. It's on the same tier as Thor and Ra- Thor Ragnarok at the Guardians That's films for me as, man, as as Riley. Far, <laughs> as far as films with such distinct, unique style of their filmmaker that bursts through okay, every frame enough. of the movie. Let All the right, man speak, it Kevin, yes. if you can. Uh, I personally am someone who freaking loves style in a movie. It's a big deal for me in taking a movie from like to love. I love Sam Raimi's style. And the fact that this was basically an MCU horror movie and done exactly in his style, I could not have loved that more. Was the movie perfect? No. Is it the best multiverse movie in theaters right now? No. But the movie was still utterly fantastic for me, in my opinion. And then this was from Ran, uh, who said, One thing I haven't seen mentioned much was Zombie Strange. I knew the minute the body went to the ground that it had to become Chekhov zombie, but I wasn't expecting <laughs> it to be possessed by Strange. I thought that it could come back due to the wounds sustained in the opening scene and be an enemy. At any rate, it was a fun concept, even if the effects seemed a little bit lackluster, is what Rand says. I think that a lot of like that stuff, Zombie Strange, this movie, like doing a Marvel zombies thing, was bold and cool and fun, and like the Doctor Strange that you get in like the heroic climactic final battle is him basically uh, as what's the name of the of the dude in Hocus Pocus. Uh, this the that's the Doug Jones character, yeah, Billy. It, uh, yeah, you know that is a basically just Billy Butcher, right? Like, is no, just... Billy Butcher from something else? Uh, oh wait, a... or is he
2: also named Billy Butcher? Oh, Billy
1: Butcherson, Billy Butcherson, Billy yeah, Butcherson. Uh, <laughs> is the Doug Jones character. <laughs> Billy Butcher is another character. Boy, oh boy, is boy, he? oh boy is he? <laughs> uh, so you know, like that that was like really wild that that's how you choose to integrate Doctor Strange in the end. One thing I want to make sure that we talk about before we close out here, I guess two things, two of like the, the final notes of the movie. Um, three things if you want to talk about the pizza baller, Bruce Campbell, but I think we've already discussed that. Just always great to see Bruce Campbell show up in anything Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi told a great story in an interview recently about how it's always a no brainer that whenever he's doing a movie, he's going to call Bruce Campbell. And he calls Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell says, uh, hey, what you got for me? And Sam Raimi says, hey, baby, I got a big role for you. Uh, <laughs> like That's like how he described the way that they talk to each other, which is just awesome to me. Um, so there's that. Uh, but the two other things I want to talk about are, do you, do you have any thoughts on Charlize Theron as Clea, who is a love interest of Doctor Strange's from the past and apparently is a relative of Dormammu? Uh, so that's kind of neat. Uh, and do you have any thoughts about Doctor Strange now having three eyes? And also, uh, were you impressed that I didn't squeal in the theater when a gigantic monster eye was gouged out and dropped from a skyscraper?
2: Yeah, those were actually very impressive that you didn't freak out over that. I've
1: made some jokes about, I can't believe none of you warned me. I want to give a shout out to Jason Curtis Rivera, who uh, who reached out to me was like, I I don't want to spoil the movie for you, but I got to tell you that there's a thing that you should know about. I, I think having had LASIK, exactly, uh, you faced your fears. I Josh. may have I faced my fears. I, I, think think I, think I think it's possible. I think it's possible that the eye stuff isn't such a big deal for me anymore.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Talk talk uh, me through eye number three. Uh, okay. Let's let's do the eye one first. Um, I <laughs> oh boy. So I think at the end of the movie it's very interesting where you have that scene where it's dramatic and it's scary. And it's just like, Oh man, he growed the third eye, like the dark hold version of him. Shocking. What does it mean? What's the implications? I think that's interesting. You immediately undercut it with the next put with the first post credit, because when uh, Charlize shows up as Clea and there's just like, we got to go multiverse hopping and, his third eye just opens and he's totally cool with it it's just like oh like okay i guess that's nothing then so it really undercuts that ending and that element so i found that very odd um as for charlize listen i welcome charlize theron into the mcu she's great uh big fan of charlize theron so i'm happy she's there my one thing to say is that with her being a love interest of Doctor Strange, I hope they do more and care more about establishing that relationship than they did with poor, sure. poor Rachel McAdams. Yeah. I, do you think
1: we're finally done with Rachel McAdams in the in the Doctor Strange movies, or do you think that the next Doctor Strange movie will also have a Rachel McAdams?
2: I, I gotta imagine, like, this this movie was so much about, you know, him moving on from her and everything, and, like, they're just not destined to work out. That I feel like you that that's got to be it, and that is again unfortunate because I think it's a waste of Rachel McAdams. But I, I feel like that's it for this yeah. character. Oh, a couple other things real quick. Uh,
1: Shouts to Todd, the librarian, who really enjoyed the movie. Todd said, look, I'm a simple man. Give me comics accurate Black Bolt whispering someone to death and then have him blow his own brains out with a backfired attack later, and I'm happy. Uh, Todd also said that the Mount Wondegore and Clea appearances were just the cherry on top. And then Hillary asked, I'm curious as to whether there is comic book significance to Wondegore Mountain. Yes, there uh, is. <laughs> why was it already a throne for the Scarlet Witch? Um, what can you say about Wondegore, which I feel like is a name that I know, but also don't know shit about it?
2: Yeah, um, when, when they said that, I had a little freak out moment in the theater. So Wondegore Mountain is basically where Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver grew up. Um, they, they were raised by like this uh, humanoid cow whose name escapes me at the moment. Uh, and it was the home of someone called the High Evolutionary, um, who connects, I believe, to uh, experiments done with Cree. Uh, I'm not 100% on that, but Wendigore Mountain is essentially like the the, the, the childhood home and uh, where Wanda and Pietro were raised. So it's kind of cool to have that reference at least pulled in there as to why it has the Scarlet Witch on there. That's not something that comes to me from the comics, unless it was like a recent thing. Uh, but continuity wise, when the gore is important because that's where they were raised originally. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Neat. What was the name of that cow? <laughs> uh,
1: what was the name of that cow? If anyone knows, you could tweet at Kev Mahadeo and give him the name of the cow uh we could be here for a really long time talking about this movie it was packed you cannot accuse it of being anything other than uh, uh really really stuffed with a lot of different ideas i think a, it was a really ambitious movie in a lot of ways and uh like visually i thought it really worked in a lot of ways uh i i did think that the opening scene like at first I was like oh this is a lot of green screen um, but then like the like the sequence of them all just like shattering, you know, uh, strange in America, just like shattering through all the different universes. Like I felt like I was going to puke. So when scene it did, I felt seen. Uh, so that that was great. And then I, I again, just cannot speak enough about uh, how much I was enamored of Elizabeth Olsen's performance. I thought that she specifically was tremendous. And I feel like there's still very compelling stories to tell with uh wanda maximoff whether it is this universe is wanda maximoff or another's um so i i'm curious to see where they're going to take her i feel like we definitely will see more of her um at a certain point in time anything else from the movie that we didn't touch on that you want to make sure you get uh off your chest
2: well um i don't think so i mean the the comment of uh steven to read I thought was interesting right the uh, weren't you big in the 60s
1: oh and i believe that josh lemer is the one who pointed this out uh that there was a, a music group in the 60s uh called uh fantastic four ah. and and doctor strange has made obscure music references in the mcu uh so it could be as simple as that uh rather than the the fantastic four canonically existed in the 1960s of the mcu which uh up to this point has neither been confirmed nor denied i love the idea that the fantastic four were big in the 1960s and then they got uh like shrunk down in the quantum realm or something then they're gonna blow back up in the modern mcu is definitely my hope but uh i don't think that uh reed richards being uh called out uh by by dr strange in this movie necessarily moves the needle one way or the other
2: well boo (laughs) that's it then
1: (laughs) yeah uh But hopefully, I would love that. I think that'd be great. Uh, Kevin, that's going to do it here for Doctor Strange. We do not currently have a Marvel show uh, that we are going to be talking about. So as far as you and me on Everything is Super, I
2: think— We're done. We're never going to talk to each other again.
1: (laughs) You and I are going dark for a moment, um, but I know that you have another uh, superhero-oriented show that you're going to be podcasting about here very soon we will leave it a little bit nebulous for right now other than watch this space we'll drop the podcast in this feed but we're also going to create a specific feed for the show that is to be covered by kevin and another person uh in the pusher recap <laughs> another person yeah. just another person in in the history of uh of people uh just another one of the boys kevin uh is who you're gonna be talking about uh so uh keep an ear out for that that's gonna be fun i'm looking forward to listening to that and believe it or not kevin i'll listen to at least an episode hey uh, how uh, about uh, that you're a better person than i (laughs) uh at some point in the next little while kevin and i are gonna figure out getting back in on the extra podcast where we've been talking about daredevil kevin is still settling into his move walked around your apartment the other day what a lovely little home
2: just a great place thanks it's uh it's coming together it is slowly but surely uh we're getting like uh pieces of stuff we got a couch i'm very excited we got a trash can earlier today so we can oh. actually you know have garbage put away it's very yeah exciting.
1: maybe that's where you should throw your takes kevin oh
2: look at uh that. so we'll not.
1: be you and i will definitely be back when miss marvel uh kicks up on disney plus
2: uh june 8th is the premiere date is that right believe that is correct a according june, to the interwebs
1: a june 8th launch for miss marvel so you and i will be uh, blasting off with that when that show premieres and uh that'll be super fun you've also got the ya podcast happening on patreon.com slash post show recaps where you and brooklyn zed and melissa
2: are all talking about the Harry Potter films. Uh, you're currently great. up to the Half-Blood Prince. Half-Blood Prince. We had to go on a little bit of break because of my move, but we're going to do the Half-Blood Prince uh, and the feedback show, and then I'll have a small other break as I get married, and Yay! then we'll be back. <laughs> yes. Uh, so on the other side of you getting married, everything is going to be
1: a lot easier, Kevin. Oh, no? my God. just tell you. It's a so little less, less stress. Just a couple so of nice. uh, life events that you just got to get out uh, uh, yeah. get out of the way. May is a big month, a power month for Kevin Mahadev. Yes, indeed it is. Is. Kevin May Hideo uh, hey. is what we call him. All right, folks, uh, listen out for some more Kevin content with another special friend of the podcast. Coming to the Everything is Super podcast, feed in the not terribly distant future. Uh, and then we'll be back here with Miss Marvel as well in a few weeks in addition to all of that. Until then, everybody, take care. Bye-bye. Bye.